0: kind of along the way of my career, I do embrace all those things because from working in busy pubs to working in fine dining, I mean, at the end of the day, what you're doing, the common goal is the exact same. Um, And it's interesting to get sort of across all of those different kind of um, settings. But yeah, I think at first I was like, wow, people in Australia are really laid back.
1: (laughs) This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Some of the great restaurants are about a partnership, someone who can lead the back of house team and someone who delivers the magic in the dining room to translate the experience for each guest. There are amazing duos all across the culinary landscape whose professional partnerships are greater than the sum of their parts. A partnership that helps create an experience that speaks of a city, town or region to deliver amazing experiences for their clientele. Susan Whelan is the operations manager and co-owner of Young George Bar & Kitchen and Ethos Deli and Dining Room in Perth, WA. Susan, how are you going?
0: Yeah, good, thanks.
1: It's good to have you on the show. What's things like over there in Perth at the moment?
0: Um, Well, at the moment, um, well, we're going good. We're busy because, you know, things are open um after a couple of COVID scares um weather wise it's pretty miserable and rainy for a Monday morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've well, uh, had an incredible um partnership um over the last two decades with your establishments uh, what, what's been the key to your yours and Melissa's partnership over this time?
0: oh god um i think probably um we're fairly lucky in the fact that um we've kind of got two very distinct although we we work very well together we've got two very distinct like uh departments um it's just it is by chance when we met um you know she was a chef and um at the time i was working in hospitality um so yeah i think you know whilst we whilst we are in this together, we've kind of got our own departments um, that we look after, so we're not always uh, <laughs> in each other's, um, yeah, sort of uh, crossing over, I guess.
1: Take us back to the early days. When did you first get interested in a career in hospitality?
0: Oh, well, this is um, a bit of a sliding doors kind of uh, moment for me. Um, it was. I'm 42 now, so uh, when I was 15, um, that was when I got my first kind of taste of hospitality. Um, we do this thing, and I'm from Dublin, Ireland, and we do this thing called um, transition year, before you go to do your leaving cert. Um, it's kind of an optional year of school, a uh, bit of a weird one because I'm not sure why I would have wanted to stay any longer, um, but it's supposed to be about development, um, and in that you've got to you know, do things like uh, a bit of work experience and whatever else. So um, I had my work experience set up. I was going to a place down in County Cork called uh, Photo Wildlife Park and I was going to be a wildlife ranger. Um, I was really excited about this. And then we got a call from the school one day and they said, nope, Susan's not going because we can't get the insurance to cover this kind of work experience. <laughs> Guess they were kind of afraid it's going to get eaten by a lion or something. <laughs> so my my plan B was, I'll just stay home, mum, that's fine. Um, And she quickly got on the phone to my aunt who was working in a restaurant in Dublin, in the city centre at the time called QV2. And she said, nope, you're not, you're going into into work there. And um, I landed in there for two weeks in the kitchen. Um, So 15 and in the kitchen, and I quickly (laughs) worked out that I really disliked this. (laughs) It was like, standing there de-segmenting, like, grapefruits, being given all the, like, terrible jobs, obviously. Um, the kitchen banter, I was 15, I was just like, whoa, what's going on? And and I kind of couldn't get out of there quick enough. I was, like, two weeks done. I was like, see you later. Um, but my aunt was like, you know, um, do you want to call? about well, maybe a week later and said, do you want to come and do some uh, busing shifts front of house? So at the time I was like you know, that's a bit of spare cash, no problem, I'll go do that. Um, yeah, so then I got my first job. It was like on the weekends I used to bus tables. And in that restaurant then I guess I rose up through the ranks. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
1: Do you have any um, memories of, of 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 moments from that period of time?
0: Yeah, definitely. That like was just like, you know, I was 15 when I started there and then when the restaurant, when they did close down, I think I was probably... I was 19, so I was there for a good few years and it was like a family. Um, Like the wait staff that were on the floor when I was that young, they're the ones that, you know, taught me sequence of service and taught me how to do everything. But there was this one particular guy who worked there and he was just, he was very charismatic um, and he was sort of like, I guess he'd given himself the title of head waiter. Um, And I remember one night uh, the owner and his wife and um, a couple came in for dinner and there was a new waiter on the floor And I guess it was kind of like a little bit of like initiation. So they were both called John, but newbie John was given the job of looking after the owner and and wife and party. And um, unbeknownst to him, John head waiter had painstakingly that afternoon on his break gone and like cling wrapped the top of every single wine glass on the table. Um, So (laughs) as... Newbie John starts to pour the wine. He's in complete shock as to why the wine is like going all over the table, and I just yeah, it's it was one of those funny moments that I can't believe. Like in my venue, if it happened, I'm not really sure what my reaction would be, um, but on a piece of paper. Um, the owner just wrote um, P45, fuckwit, and P45 back then meant like that's what you got when you were going to be fired. Um, obviously, he didn't get fired, but uh, <laughs> but I always, that was a standout sort of like, I can't believe this is actually happening.
1: What was it about the front of house experience and role that made you fall in love with it and
0: start to build a career? Um, I guess for me, it was, it was just the – there was such a good vibe um, – being on the floor, uh, engaging with customers, um, the banter, you know, you'd have back of house with with staff and everything. And I guess, like, when you kind of look at that, there must be something in everyone in hospitality who sticks in it for a long while that you, you must have sort of like this sort of keen to please, you know what I mean? Because it is that feedback when people say to you, um, well done, good job. Thanks. We've had an amazing night. Like you get this sense of like you've done something, you know, really well, despite the fact that, you know, we're not really saving lives or doing anything um, you know, high end like that. But um you do get a sort of sense of satisfaction when people leave happy.
1: What what led you to come down under?
0: Um, well, so back in so I've met Melissa um back in in Dublin, actually. That was pretty much through work as well. Um, someone who I'd, who I'd met one night, um, out having a drink. She was she wanted, um, she needed a job. I said come by. Then turns out that she was um, house mate like she was housemates with Melissa's best friend, um, and so that's kind of how we got together. But we were living in Dublin. We'd been there for two years at the time. Um, Melissa's visa was coming to an end, and it's kind of like it kind of went full circle because at the time you couldn't get, um, there was no um, same-sex relationship visas in Ireland. Uh, so we knew we had to look at, at leaving. So we came uh, over to Australia and at the time, I guess, we didn't really know if it was forever, but it was, but it was definitely going to be until a time when, you know, any kind of laws changed in, in um, where I'm from in Dublin so yeah i mean we just started the visa process i came over on a backpacking visa because it was easier to get into the country doing that um and then once was here we applied for um something called an interdependent relationship visa which doesn't even exist anymore which basically just means you've got to prove that your lives are so intertwined that you can't be separated yeah um yeah but then you know ireland got uh gay marriage before um australia did it was um, so we went back there in 2012 and got married.
1: How different were restaurants in Ireland to what you first experienced in Australia when you got here?
0: Um, well, I would have said, in the, yeah, in the very beginning, extremely different because of maybe not what I'm doing now, but, um, you know, being on a backpacking um, visa, I was just, you know, you just went, we were living in um, Northbridge and I just... Wander in and see what I could get, and so you, you, I think for me, it was the casualness of a lot of places um, in Perth at the time. Um, I'd been working in um, sort of fine dining, and uh, it was it was just it was it was sort of different. Like um, you know, um, I, I kind of along the way of my career, I do embrace all those things because from working in busy pubs to working in fine dining. I mean, at the end of the day what you're doing. The common goal is the exact same. Um, and it's interesting to get sort of across all of those different kind of um, settings. But yeah, I think at first I was like, wow, people in Australia are really laid back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how, much, how much has changed? You've been there a couple of decades now, and you've been part of the evolution of the culinary landscape there. How, how much have you seen it change?
0: Oh heaps! I I do think that you know um, I think Perth is one of the best places um, in the world to live. Um, but when I came here at first, obviously there was a lot of you know digs at WA, and also like people in the state kind of like would take the piss kind of out of themselves <laughs> um, a little. Um, not just the rest of <laughs> not just the rest of Australia. Um, but yeah, I do think like you know there was um, initially I've seen. I've seen a lot of growth, um, a lot of – I think it's just a lot of people maybe have travelled more um, and have taken what they've seen in other places and brought it back to Perth, but definitely a lot of growth in – it's matured. The, the The dining scene has definitely matured a lot.
1: Your partnership is not just professional, as you um, just mentioned, um, but, but tell us about the early days when it became professional and you and Melissa – Uh, started to think about opening your own restaurant together?
0: Um, Well, I think for me, I had always had that vision, Um, you know, before I even met Melissa. I had switched degrees from engineering to business and I was finishing my degree in business when I met Melissa and a lot of my plans and modelling and things I was doing were on various um, different uh, food operations. Um, So for me, whether... I don't, I don't know, but whether I'd met her or not, um, I think it was the route that I wanted to go down. Um, and then obviously having Melissa as <clears throat> a partner and a chef, we knew we had together had probably, you know, more of a chance of, of something successful. Um, and from there, you know, we were doing pop-up restaurants and things like that, basically just trying to get the, the funds together to, um, to have our own place. Um, and when we got the opportunity to uh, jump into young george it was it was an existing bi- business, and lots of people don 't really know that because they kind of they hadn 't heard of it. Um, it was just one of those places that I guess had a a nice fit out but was kind of in terms of where it was going with food and direction it didn't it was a little bit struggling um, so for us to come along and get the opportunity to um, Pull a business sort of uh, in into line was it was it was good. It was, I mean it was very hard, but it was good.
1: <laughs> you had the business background and front of house background, and Melissa with the kitchen background. But what were the challenges involved in creating your first business together?
0: Um, I guess the challenge, and you know, I still do see some of that with um, having ethos very new again, is that. Your vision, and we always talk about like sticking to our guns and um, you know just doing what we see as being uh, like our plan. But sometimes your vision and the vision of um, the customer don't always align straight away, um, and so you've got this period in between where you like you. You know that you need to keep going. You know, you know that you need to stick to your guns, but sometimes it's hard because either it's financially hard or you feel like drained because you're doing something and you know it's great, but you just haven't gotten to that moment where it clicks. Um, and I think that that can be that can be a struggle. And also knowing knowing the difference between that and flogging a dead horse, I guess, is probably uh, is probably an important one as well. Like you know, it's fine to stick to your guns, but if you're sticking to your guns and you know, a year later, you 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 know you've got no money in the bank. Then that's also an issue.
1: Young George Bar and Kitchen is is renowned across Australia. Tell us about some of the key moments over over the years um, for you.
0: Um, for me, uh, I guess it's from. Oh, I'll get one which really stands out. Um, it's when we started doing this. Um, we took over and it was a, um, it had been doing pizza and some street food um, for a, a while. I think it'd been in operation for a year. So because we wanted to change the model, um, but we had like local clientele, we decided to keep this one night a week where we used the wood fire oven and we um, kept pizza on. It was a pizza deal, it was Tuesday, Tuesdays were fairly slow. We go, yeah, this is, you know, no harm in doing this. At the time, I used to wait front of house with one other um, waiter and this was for us the moment when you know things turned like everyone can have a busy night in hospitality but this was like we'd gone from we went from doing like 30 covers to doing like 120 or something in that night and I just remember like there was nothing I could do. I just had to keep going. There was no one to call in. It was just myself and this other guy, Ollie, who is actually a legendary waiter. I, if I'm, I was so glad that it was him and no one else. But we were just like, just keep moving, just keep moving, just keep moving. And by the end of it, I was just like, well, where did that come from? So that was just like, okay, next week, I think I'm going to have to put a couple of other people on the roster. Um, yeah, so seeing the business grow from you know, not just smaller customers, but from like, like smaller numbers, but like repeat customers and people who like, when they come in, they look for me, they look for me less. Um, that's a really nice feeling. It's like a feeling of sort of home away from home, I guess.
1: How different is young George now compared to way back then? Can you give us a, an idea of what, what's changed?
0: Oh, um, my staff bill <laughs> um, uh well, no in, initially, like Melissa was in the kitchen with one other person, as I said, I was front of house with one to two people uh uh per shift on the books um and now she's got a kitchen team of ten, I think, and there's over fifteen uh staff front of house, mainly casuals, but um three managers as well, so um, it's gone from being something that, you know, was just sort of, it's it's a beast. <laughs> it's a beast. <laughs> um, even now sometimes, you know, we think, like the thing that I enjoy about Young George, I guess, is um, compared to ethos is like the consistent, like knowing what to expect because you've got years of figures to look back on and everything else. But even then you can just get thrown a curveball like, you know, yesterday was Sunday, we'd expected to do you know, 150 covers for for lunch, but then we ended up doing like almost double that. So, yes, like you can still be taken by surprise and I guess that's the thing about hospitality, isn't it? Even when you think you're ready, sometimes you're not.
1: Well, after uh, almost two decades within the establishment and understanding that consistency, um, more recently you opened Ethos Deli and Dining Room. Tell us about the build-up to that and and... The ethos behind it.
0: Okay, well, um, with ethos, um, as the name suggests, um, you know, Melissa is one um, hundred percent about sustainability in the kitchen, and um, we just wanted to sort of carry that through um, with sort of like a clearer message into our next venue, and really, it started with um, her, she's got a passion for charcuterie. She, you know, breaks down, you know, the, the whole animal um in the back kitchen sometimes when I see the like the pig's little eyelashes I get slightly slightly upset but um but yeah I get through it when I see the end product um for sure but uh yeah so she's got a passion for charcuterie and we just needed somewhere to to put it we've got like beautiful charcuterie fridges downstairs in the cellar at Young George but it wasn't um enough space and um, I mean, we've got a good relationship with people on the street, but um, it's actually one of our fish suppliers who has that building. And we've seen a few a few things go through it. And he'd spoken to us before and he said, oh, I don't suppose you girls wanna go in there. And, you know, we kind of laughed at the time and said, no, not really. Um, and then when we were thinking about places that we could put um, a, a deli initially, because that's kind of how it started off, um, you know, then we thought, well, you know, it's, it's not too far to go. It's just up the street. Um, and I think that close proximity is kind of what helps us to um, do what we do uh, because, you know, like it's, If you had to drive in between, I think it would be a lot of wasted time and um, sometimes, you know, uh, getting between the two businesses. But, yeah, so we wanted a home for um, her charcuterie and then the space came up. I mean, it's a little bit smaller than what we wanted, but, yeah, we were like we're on the same street, so happy days. Um, And we put it in. It's got a lovely little mezzanine level, so we decided to throw a dining room above it, and it's kind of inspired a little bit by – a trip we took to, um, Chicago, uh, years back. And, um, there's a place over there and they've got, oh God, is the name going to escape me now. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so they, they've got a similar setup, but their dining room is in a separate area, but we just were like, wow, okay. This is like, you see all the meat and then, um, you see all the products. And then it kind of translates into, you know, you, you can go and have, have a meal of everything you've just seen. Um, so, yeah, and inspired a little bit by our trips to New York as well. So, that that comes through. Um, and Melissa's Hungarian sort of European background. So, all together in one tiny space.
1: With the focus on sustainability, how, how much did you have to change and um, what impact has that had on the running of the business?
0: Um, look, I do think that sometimes... Um, you have to put a little bit, obviously, more effort in, more man hours to, to do things a way that is, you know, rather than getting the packet or, or getting whatever else. Um, I was joking the other day with a staff member, like, sometimes I do feel like the word gets thrown around a bit and then also to do with anything that's got like an environmental tag on it these days. You know, I got sent uh, a bamboo truck the other day, which, you know, I'm all on board for using um, products that, are, like, good for the environment. But when you kind of find that packaging companies and things are taking, like, they'll they'll take that and they'll, you know, charge five times the amount, I um, always feel like it comes with a cost to, uh, you know, the operator um, to, do, to do their bit for the planet and to go above and beyond. But for us at Ethos, I think it's like, you know, we don't buy in any packaged drinks. We make everything by hand. All the drinks are made, our sodas are made from... Um, from anything that's like a waste product in the kitchen. Um, and we take the the way to start the ferments on those sodas um, that they've been using to make their um, their cheeses. So all those things, it's just more about the man hours, I guess, that goes into it, um, which, you know, sometimes you could look at it and go, oh, well, you know, that that's costing a bit. But at the end of the day, it's sort of, it's what I was talking about earlier. It's sticking to your vision and sticking to what you want, you what you want to get across and what you want to send out into the market.
1: How important is local produce to what you do now?
0: Oh, extremely important. Um, You know, uh, Melissa deals directly with a lot of um, veg growers and suppliers. Um, Our mushrooms come from an amazing uh, grower called the Mushroom Guys that are just like, they're literally like suburban based um, and they grow things pretty much in like a sea container. Um, but yeah, th- those relationships are really important. Um, I guess it's important for even for the staff to see, you know, where where all the produce is coming from. Um, and yeah, it's just like it's that network, isn't it? It's just you know, the knowing what's on the plate, where it came from, having that chat with the customer, making the customer aware. Um, it, it, it all works kind of in in a cycle together, really.
1: With this focus in the in the kitchen, what sort of impact does that have across the venues for you for the wine program?
0: Um, so, in terms of ethos, we decided we if we were going to you know have that focus in the ki- uh, in the kitchen of being um, sustainable, uh, then that we would carry that through with the wine list. We only buy so just. Um, upper ethos our wine list is just WA focused only. Um, and also in picking wine that's from just from WA, I didn't really wanna just, you know, go straight to Margaret River and then just have a list full of Chardonnay and Cabernet. Um, so you've got to seek out different varietals in different areas, but also need to make sure that the the who we are working with, that they have got like a similar, um, you know, focus on sustainability, so minimal intervention, um, a lot of uh, organics, but, you know, I still will put wines on the list if they're not certified organic. Obviously, that's a cost to, them, to the producer that some people haven't really just got there yet. So, yeah, we try to, the list is sort of focused on as many varietals um, from WA uh, with with a focus on sustainability.
1: The last year and a half has impacted so many, and you've opened a new venue during this time. Uh, what, what sort of impact has it had on you? Has it changed you? Oh,
0: well, that year of COVID, you know, in some ways, you know, and I, it's, I feel, I feel, in some ways, lucky. Obviously, that we're in WA, so I don't really ever want to complain too much. Like my family's in Dublin, and they're still. Pretty much, you know, their lives are so restricted um, and obviously the rest of the country, you've been in and out of lockdown so many times. Um, But that year, in a way, it's kind of like you almost want to block it out and not really think about it. Um, You know, I, I still remember the 22nd of March, the day that we got shut down. And just thinking, oh, my God, like you just at that moment in time, it just felt like everything was being taken from like under you because you, you know, had a maybe an evening of like crying and then sort of snap out of it. We need to sort something out and we need to get a plan together. Um, And we did. Uh, But the only thing I would say is that, you know, like we were two weeks away from opening Ethos and that was pretty, pretty rough, I guess, we thought at the time. But if we had been open, I think it would have been a lot harder. Um, So we were able to put that business on ice. But, um, yeah, I mean, like COVID is definitely, uh, personally, I wouldn't want to go through it again. But the reality is um, that, you know, until everyone is vaccinated, we may have to. So I think what it has made me do is not, like you can't fear what's going to happen anyway. So you just kind of have to sometimes roll with the punches a little bit more. Um, that's probably, yeah, that's probably it.
1: You've uh, been part of the Perth dining landscape for a couple of decades now. What what do you love about what you do?
0: Um, I love the, for me, I love the buzz. I love the buzz of um, service. Um, I love being active in the business. Uh, I couldn't imagine being having ethos and having young george and sort of going right that's it i'm gonna put a couple of managers in place um just show me the figures every week i love being a part of what we do um and i like you know the the like the team there's always a sense of even when you're busy there's always a sense of fun there's always a sense of um you know sort of how would i say things it's it's you're never taking yourself too seriously um But the job itself, obviously, it's important. It's important that we, you know, keep that standard of service, that we um, send out those quality meals. But we're kind of enjoying ourselves while we're doing it.
1: You and uh, Melissa are one of the most dynamic duos in in Australia's culinary landscape at the moment. What sort of advice do you have for those out there of managing that work-life balance when you're in partnership um, in, in both life and work?
0: Oh, well, I, I wish I had better advice because sometimes <laughs> I think my, our work-life balance um, can be quite slightly um, askew. Um, but it is really important, I guess, if you're working together all the time to just take a little bit of time out and just not talk about work and maybe try and put your phone on do not disturb for even um, half a day uh, we won't even say a full day, but yeah, you need to, you need to do something that's, um, you know, not related to work. For Melissa and I, I guess we used to, you know, we work hard, we work long hours, we work all the time. And for us, it was always we'd go away, we'd go on like on a quick trip, we'd go to Sydney. Um, <laughs> obviously, at the moment, there are things that we can't do, but we do try to fit in sort of little quick breaks, Um, a couple of times in the year just to sort of step away, de-stress a little bit, and then get back to it a little bit more recharged.
1: Well, that's good advice, Susan. and We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to share your story. Um, Please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.